Well, welcome everybody. We're so glad you came out on this beautiful snowy winter day. Um, wow, it's beautiful out, you know. Uh, the roads are still a little sketchy, but you still made it. That's, I appreciate that. Um, and I do want to welcome, we have a, a lot of viewers who are our, our home online. Can we give it up for the online viewers? They're laying in bed right now going, oh, that's nice. Um, hey, you know, they could, they could be watching anything, and they are, even if they are laying in bed, we, we appreciate that they're tuning in. And, uh, and we really also want to extend, if, if, if you were so kind as to invite a friend maybe, or maybe you just stumbled upon Covenant Church, we want to also welcome our first-time guests. Can we give it up for them as well? <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Um, before we get started, uh, let's, let's go to the to the Lord in prayer again. Dear Lord, we're just so thankful for today. Thank you for bringing us here safely. Thank you for giving us uh, a space. Maybe it, it seems strange to some people to come to a movie theater, Lord, but it doesn't matter where we're at. We're just grateful that we have a safe, comfortable space that we can gather together as a family and hear from you, Lord. So, Lord, I do pray that, um, that there are no words from me today, Lord, that is, I am just the, 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 the feet and hands of you, Lord, that I just serve you and that your words come through and that the word that you have for each person here individually is heard. So, Lord, we just pray that we can quiet our minds still our hearts a little bit, and maybe even calm the rumblings of our tummies and just focus in on your word, Lord. We love you and we praise you. Amen. So, <clears throat> so who am I? Well, I'm Trent Iguchi. Um, I've been going to Covenant for nine, ten years. I don't even know. I lost count. Um, to some of you, I stand quite often in that corner and greet people. Um, sometimes in the front, they move me around. Uh, Ryan's a great director of our greeting team. But I just say hi to you, and I mean it, and I'm happy that you're here, and my heart's real, and I'm excited to see you, and I want you to see a smile because I want you to see the joy I have because of Jesus in my heart, and you can do that too one day, and we're going to talk about that, but <clears throat> also I am a, um, a, a very proud husband and father. Um, I've been married to my wife, Tammy. She, we've been married for almost 25 years. Yes, yes, I heard that. Wow, Exactly. Wow, wow. I mean, before, I, before I was married for 25 years, I did, I've done nothing that well, that long. I also have um, two wonderful children, uh, my daughter Tabby. There she is. She's, she's about to have my second grandchild, a little baby girl coming. I can't wait. Um, I already have a little baby grandson. He's three. Um, and my son, Tristan, raise your hand, buddy. He's 19. He's not having any children right now, but he is, uh, he's very single. Okay, and he is really, really good looking. He looks just like his mom. So, um, so uh, be sure to, to, to hit him up later. Okay, um, so what are we here for? Well, my talk, what God laid on my heart is he wanted me to discuss to you about the idea of discovering your purpose. That's a pretty big deal, discovering purpose. If you think about it, without Christ, what is your purpose? You probably spend your entire life trying to find purpose. But I'm encouraged that with Christ, we can discover purpose because you were designed intentionally. You were designed intentionally with a purpose. And if you were designed intentionally with that purpose, what does that mean? How does that play out? So we're going to go to the word. Um, we're going to look up Psalm 139, 13 through 16. <clears throat> and it says, <clears throat> for you were formed... Uh, you, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So, wow, I I love that scripture. I think it was such a poetic way to put into words what God did, how he saw us in the nothing and he brought us together and he knitted us together intricately. Now, why would somebody that intentionally put you together exactly as you are meant to be, every cell, unless there was a purpose? Well, we're gonna talk about that. You've got a purpose and it's exciting. I know I spent many years of my stupid years wandering around, staring at the ceiling. Why am I here? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Who am I going to marry? What job am I going to have? You know, and all these things I thought were so important. Just wondering, what's my purpose? Well, guess what? I can't see any of you, so if you're standing, please sit down. This is a big deal. Your purpose is to bring him glory. That's it. That's it. Now, that's a simple statement. It's a simple purpose, even though it plays itself out in many, many variations, very intricate ways in our lives, how we each will individually do that. But that is your purpose. That's what you were created for. So for the people that are, are laying there staring at the ceiling, I, I don't know, I don't know God, I don't know what my purpose is, they'll always wonder, and you'll see them strive. We've seen so many people strive for purpose and never find it. We see a lot of people take a lot of worldly shape things and try to form them and shape them so they'll fit into that God void, right? God's so great. He gave us that void. He gave us that hunger to know what we're supposed to do. Why are we here? He did that on purpose so we would yearn and seek him out. And some people don't choose to do that. So let's go to um, some more scripture. This is Isaiah 43, 7. Isaiah 43, 7 says, everyone who was called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I'm formed and made. And then uh, let's go to Luke. We'll skip down to Luke 19, 40. Luke 19, 40. And so the Pharisees were telling Jesus to scorn his followers, for worshiping him. And Jesus looked at him and he said, I tell you, if these, these followers, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The very stones would cry out. That's, that's an awesome like, word picture that Christ gave right there. That his creation screams him glory, right? So does Christ need, does he need us to bring him glory? No, he does not need you to bring him glory. The stars and the skies and the sunrises and the oceans crashing, all of his creation gives him glory. He doesn't need us, he just wants it. It's why he created, a loving God created us because he wants us to love him back. He wants us to bring him glory through all we do. So we try and try to fit the wrong things into the wrong space be it our work, be it money, be it fame, be it power. We try to fill that void until we finally realize it's God. But why are we so confused about our purpose? Because we haven't really looked at what our purpose is. A good example 
is the iPhone, or a phone. And uh, we all have a phone, probably, and we probably live by them. We'll leave the house without our keys and without our wallet, but we won't forget our phone, right? It's become entrenched in our lives. And it's got a ton of potential, and it can do some amazing things. But what if we didn't know about this? There's a lot of us that were around before these were around, right? So if we just did a little time machine and went back and handed somebody this phone, they, they wouldn't know what it is. They would have no clue. They would think, maybe it's a coaster? I don't know. Um, maybe it's a, it's a Frisbee, right? They would have no idea. So how would they find out what this is for and what good is it? Well, they could read the instructions. And through the instructions, they would find out this thing does amazing things. Now, we're trying to f- figure out our purpose, right? We're trying to figure out what makes us tick and why are we here. Well, do we have an instruction manual? Yeah, we do. We have the word. So we read the instructions. We find out, wow, this thing is to do a lot more than I thought just a coaster or a paperweight. It does a lot. But I could use some more insight. I'm, these, can, these instructions are kind of confusing. Where can I get some clarity? You might call the Apple store and set up an appointment at the Genius Bar and sit down with the Genius. And you are excited. This person's going to help me figure this thing out. And you're frustrated. You want to know, well, do we have a Genius Bar? I think so. I think we have the ability to go to church and listen to pastors. We have the church, the ability to listen to church online. We can listen to the Genius Bar representatives, people that have studied the instruction manual and can help explain it to us. So we're gifted in that way, right? So this in and of itself is hard to figure out its purpose, and we would get it wrong. But with the instruction manual and the the help of pastors, we can help figure out our purpose too and not be confused by those questions. I think the two greatest days in your life was the day you were born and the day that you realized why, why I'm born, to give him glory, to give God glory. So what's now, what's next, right? We, um, <laughs> we are so excited, we know our purpose, it's so cool, I'm here to give God glory, I wanna do that. Um, I, 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 I want to be part of the body, right? I've heard I'm part of the body. That makes sense to me because I, I, I see that we're all working together in harmony, right? But what part of the body am I? How do I figure that out? Well, God is so good. He's so great. He not only gave us purpose, but he gave us the tools to fulfill that purpose. So the, this is part two. If part one was to bring him glory and you were designed intentionally with purpose, part two is the world's perfect potluck, all right? The world's perfect potluck. I love potlucks, you can tell. I never miss one, and uh, I'm a big fan, and in fact, um, if you like potlucks, I would highly recommend getting involved with your church, because there's a lot of potlucks, and they're a great thing, and, and, and in my research and study for this, for this sermon, I was looking up some things about potlucks, and um, one thing that kept coming up was the word casserole, and that's funny. That was my nickname in high school, was casserole. I don't know why. It means a deep dish, Okay, um, with lots of ingredients simmered in an oven for a long time. I guess that's me. I'm casserole. So you can call me casserole. Okay, so it, when we're looking at um, what forms the world's perfect potluck, let's, let's see maybe what um, some ideas might be in Scripture about what tools we need to maybe make that happen. So we'll look up, um, Paul the Apostle wrote his letter to the Corinthians, so we're going to look up Corinthians uh, 12, 7 through 11. Maybe, yes, okay, <laughs> put all kinds of markers. Um, so Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, he says, to each is given the manifestation. So that means that, that this 
the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when you accept Christ, will actually manifest, will come and dwell in you um, for the common good, not just for your good. If you're using it for your good, there's probably a problem. It's for the common good that these gifts are given. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to the other the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing, by one Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Next one is Ephesians 4.11, Ephesians 4.11 through 13. <clears throat> Worthy are you, O Lord God. Oh, I'm sorry, that was, that's the next one. <laughs> uh, I had it wrong. That was, oh yeah, here we go. So 4.11 through 13 is, And God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature, to mature manhood, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he gave us the tools after the purpose, and now we're going to bring those tools together in a potluck. So somebody might be designed to bring the appetizer Somebody's going to bring the main course. Somebody's going to bring the dessert to this table, right? And if God, being the perfect host, he's going to see we need some more desserts. He's going to create somebody with that gifting to bring that dessert to the table, right? So if you look at it this way, um, we were all hungry. I was very hungry. I was very curious. What was my purpose? Uh, we, we all wanted to sit at the table. Um, I don't know about you, if there was a kid's table when you were growing up, you couldn't wait to get to the adult table, right? And, uh, and we just wanted to make sure that we did our part and we did our share, and so we brought our share, our portion to that table. And we're all different, right? We all have a lot of different intricacies. Some people cannot stand when their food touches on the plate. Some people can't stand their, their food mixed together. Like, I love that bowl from uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken that has, like, chicken and mashed potatoes and corn in it. Some people, that's disgusting to me. That's awesome, okay? So some people don't like that. Some people love vegetables. Some people are just pure carnivore, right? So we all have different tastes. So what's going to attract the world to that table if we have all these different tastes? A potluck. They're going to find their meal, and it's be because you brought the perfect dish to that table that interested them, that enticed them, right? So if you think about it, if we all work together harmoniously to create that perfect potluck for all those different tastes, and that's what we'll do, and that's what it'll take to reach the world. It's the perfect potluck that only he can design, right? And it's perfect um, in the fact that that meal will actually satisfy true hunger, and that that, that meal will actually uh, sustain us forever, right? And because of that body was used in all its beautiful ways to reach the hungry and every hungry soul with all its different tastes and tendencies, then we shall never hunger again. That's what God promises. And so what a, what a beautiful picture of us all using our giftings in a different way to create this table that God wants to bring him glory so that everybody that's hungry and seeking can find their meal there. And I would argue that you're here because you found your meal at that table. Somebody used their spiritual giftings to reach you. That was God reaching through them. So um, guess what? 
I know you're thinking, yeah, but I just don't know if I have those giftings. I don't know what meal I'm supposed to bring to the table. I just don't know. Well, God is so good, I believe he made it kind of obvious. It's that thing that comes natural to you. It's that thing that just seems kind of easy. Like, wow, somebody might say to you over shoulder, you have really good penmanship. You might think, okay. Well, maybe you're supposed to be writing invitations to invite people to church. Maybe you're just like, I love opening my house up to people. Maybe you're just naturally a good host. Well, maybe you're supposed to host a Sea Life group. You have a gift, and somebody's probably told you at another time you're really good at something. Or you maybe just sit at home, and you're just, it's something just comes easy to you. Use that. Use that gifting to bring him glory. There's lots of great materials out there to help you study your spiritual gifting. And it'll help you really hone in and define what you're comfortable with and what you're good at. And then with that, you can get plugged in. Um, the third part of my presentation is going to be uh, the fact of why. Why do we do these things? Why do we bring him glory? Why do we take these gifts that he bestows upon each of us? And, and why would we give it back? Why would we do that? And part three is because he is worthy. He is worthy. So if he designed you with purpose and he designed you intentionally and he gave you the giftings that you need to exercise uh, that, that practice of bringing him glory, um, would you do that? Would you do that for him? Don't you think he's worth it? Matthew 5, uh, 16 um, is about, about your works, about what you actually do for him. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right there, let them see your good works so that it brings him glory. Absolutely. Ephesians 8 Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, um, it, it talks about us not boasting. I think that's very, very important. And I'm struggling with my tabs. I appreciate your patience. Um, so it says here, not a result of work so that no man may boast. Um, and there it is. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Um, uh, Good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he not only um, gave us those gifts so that we can't boast about ourselves, we can't take credit for it, but he actually prepared those good works in advance. We just have to be obedient. We just have to walk in them. So he gave you purpose, he gave you the tools, and he actually gave you the good works. You just have to be obedient and do them. You know, it's funny. I, I think, uh, I look back and I think about all the years I spent in church, and I never served him. I just didn't. I was a consumer. I just showed up. I thought it was good to show up. I liked showing up. There were nice people there. I heard the word of God. I thought that was important. I believed it. I knew it, but I never applied it. I never got involved. I think next week we're going to hear more about ways that you can plug in and that you can get involved, but I am still going to ask, is he worthy of your purpose-driven life? Is he, is he worthy of you applying those gifts for his glory? I think so. You know, I, it's funny, I, I remember when um, my daughter was in high school and she had a Bible study group in her house and there was probably 10 teenagers sitting in our family room. That's a scary thing. 
10 teenagers all huddled around and we were discussing scripture. And I was glad they were there, right? They came to study the word and be with their friends. That was cool. And, but I noticed they were a little distracted and they kind of talked a lot and were easily taken off course. And I got a little frustrated and I just said, you know what? I just got to ask a question by a show of hands. How many of you believe that you will serve God more seriously when you're older? And every hand went up. Usually young people look around, right? No, they just went up immediately. They just knew instinctively that I will do it when I'm older. What does that mean? It means that probably at some point we all just thought, I'll do that later. I'll do that tomorrow. Or that's for somebody else to do for now. I'll do it when I'm retired. I'll do it when I have all this free time. Then I'll start volunteering. Then I'll start partaking in church. No, do it now. Do it now. There's nobody that serves the, 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 the purpose of glorifying God that regrets it. There's nobody that says, oh, man, I wish I would have waited. <laughs> you know, I wish I would have waited until I was retired, and I, then I could be a, an usher or a greeter or something. No, do it now. Think about what you have, what you could bring to that, to that potluck. There's somebody that's hungry for it. You need to bring it to the table now. Get involved get involved. Um, in James 1.22, it says, don't, don't be readers of the word, but be doers of the word, right? Be doers. So when you read this instruction manual, apply what you've learned. Do it. In James 2.17, he says, faith without works is dead. Now, we know that you don't have to have works to have salvation. That's already done for you. Christ already did that for you. But without works, it's dead. Who wants a dead faith? I mean, you need to exercise that faith. Give it life through works. Those works, like the scripture said, will bring him glory because people will see him in you. If you say, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a lot of luster to me. I'm not that exciting, maybe. But he is. And him working through you will bring all kinds of shine to your life. People will notice it. People will recognize it. And there's people that only you know that you can reach. There's somebody that you talk to at the office. There's somebody that you're online with in social media that nobody else is, or they trust you. You have credibility with them, right? You have built a relationship with them, and they will listen. I'm going to challenge you that you cannot experience true life until you accept his purpose for your life. I'm going to say that again. I don't think you can experience true life until you embrace the purpose that he gave you. And why is that? Because without it, you're just wondering, what am I here for? What am I gonna do? But by embracing him, you can wake up every day with purpose. And everything you do, you can say, how does this bring him glory? How is this bringing glory? What gifts do I have? How can I use this today? I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna do my job, but while I'm there, I can bring him glory. At the water fountain, with, you know, we're sitting around talking about football or something. We can talk about things and I can be encouraging. I can be positive. I can be uplifting. I can bring him glory. You know, I, I have to ask myself, and I'm sure somebody else might have asked when I was younger and I wasn't serving him, is did I know him? Did I truly know him? Do you? Do you truly know him? Is he not just something that you read about a little bit? Maybe turn on a, a, a good song here and there about him. Maybe show up to church, but do you know him? Are you willing to use your life for him? Maybe you're here and you've never heard of him, or maybe you've heard of him, but you don't know him. You don't have him in your heart yet. Maybe you've never accepted Christ, 
And I'm going to really encourage you to do so. You can leave here today with purpose. You can leave here today with new life. You can live, leave here today with Christ in you. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. And because of that, uh, I think that we should pay it back. Not because it's a debt. He, we owe him nothing. He wants nothing to be paid back to him. He did it all for us, right? But there should be a welling up inside of you of appreciation. If you know him, if you understand what he did for you, there should be a welling up of appreciation for him. You know, they say in John, no greater love has a man than a person who lays their life down for their friends. And what does that mean? I mean, rarely that would be physically laying your life down for somebody, but it means sacrificing all the time for them. What do they need? I have a group of friends here that I can say, show me Christ, that I can call them on a moment's notice and they will help me if I need something. They'll even help me move. That's a big deal. Moving stinks. But anyway, they'll help me at every turn because they want to show Christ. They want to experience Christ. They want to use those gifts that God gave them to help. And I hope that you can find that too. You can find that in church. You can find that in community. So if that is the greatest thing that a person can do is lay their life down for somebody, what would it mean if somebody laid their life down for the exact person that they're staring at, that at the same time that person is, is humiliating them, mocking them, spitting on them, and they still lay their life down. The, the crucifixion of Christ is very well documented, obviously in the instruction manual, in the Bible, but it was documented by the Jews. It was documented by the Romans. It's not a joke. So if you've ever wondered, I don't know about faith. Well, you can't deny that Christ existed but you do have to wrestle with who he was. And I'm gonna say that, that what he was was the most passionate lover of who you are that could ever be, that you could ever imagine. There isn't a more tragic love story ever created. If this were a story, it would be unbelievable, but the fact that it's true is amazing. Jesus was rejected by his own people, all right? The people that he called his, constantly called his, rejected him. He, they, he was chosen to die over a criminal. Barabbas was a known criminal through all the area, and they chose to release him and crucify Christ. People were praising him with palm leaves and songs when he entered the city. Now they were spitting on him and rejecting him. He did nothing his entire life but good. All he did his entire life was good. Satan himself that Jesus, I believe, could see was around every turn mocking him, criticizing him, just rivaling and, and just thrilled that Christ was going to die. He was tortured and whipped and he was beaten to the edge of his life. The Romans were really good at this. They could tell that they didn't want you to die yet and they would beat you and whip you to right upon that, that brim. Crucifixion was invented to be the most torturous death ever known. It is a slow, painful death. It is mostly a death of suffocation and exposure. He was the creator of the universe. He breathed stars into existence with his father. And yet he hung between two common criminals like he was nothing. 
He was denied by his closest friends. They scattered from him. They were scared. They denied they even knew him. And he was turned in by one of his best friends. People want to think that Judas is this evil person. Jesus, Jesus, Judas sold Jesus out for silver. What a horrible person. He was one of the disciples. He lived with Christ. Christ welcomed him in and loved him equally with all the others. He was one of his best friends, and he was turned in by him. <clears throat> he was young. He was only 33. Some of you know what that age is like. He was innocent. He was innocent. People know that, but do you think about that? He did nothing. And this has to be torturous. I mean, can you imagine? He knew it was coming. He knew. To the point that he, they say he sweated blood, which is a medical condition for extreme nervousness. He was, he was scared. He knew how much pain he was going to endure. He knew it was coming. And all along, he could have stopped it. He could have had legions of angels rain down and take him off that cross and prove to everybody who he was. But he knew he loved you and he knew there was a price to be paid. The worst part of, part of it all, if you're a dad or if you have a child or you're the child of a dad, the worst part of it for him was the idea of being separated from his father. He just dreaded it. He cried out in anguish, Father, why have you forsaken me? God could not be present while his son took on the sins of the world, took on your sins, took on my sins. And he dreaded that part the most. But he loved us so much, nothing could take him off that cross because he was on that cross for you and me. And he did it. He did that while we were spitting and mocking because we were still sinners. The very thing that was putting him on that cross. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? kidding me? He is worthy. He is worthy. So take your purpose, bring him glory, take your gifts from the spirit and use them. Get involved. Embrace your God. Let him define your purpose. Utilize the God-given gifts that he bestows upon each of us and experience true freedom and joy the way it was intended for your life. Can you bow your heads with me? Lord, there's some people maybe that are, are considering letting you into their hearts right now, Lord. And I pray they do. And if you are asking Christ in your heart for the first time, then just say these words, Christ, I need you in my life. Christ, I am a sinner and I need saving. Lord, I want you to take the throne in my life and I do not want to take it back. Lord, I believe that you died for my sins. And more importantly, Lord, I believe that you live for me. Lord, I believe you made me intricately just the way I am. And you gave me purpose to give you glory. Lord, help me to do that. Help me to bring you glory. I know you gave me gifts, Lord, that maybe I have used for my own gain or I've run from. Maybe they're not even the ones I would have picked, but they're the ones you gave me because you knew what the body needed. So help me to use those gifts, Lord, for you. Lord, you are so worthy. Help us all to just get on our knees and praise you for what you've done and who you are and what you do for us, Lord. Lord you are so amazing. You are so amazing. 
Lord, we just love you. We praise you and we thank you for bringing us here together, Lord. Amen.